0: Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. We're back for our 81st edition of this great sports entertainment mega of a podcast. My name is Paul Arnold. I'm overhyping just a little bit because I have ate a ton of Christmas candy. How about you, Ernest Watts well, down in Rockingham? Have you ate any Christmas candy?
1: I have Christmas candy. My wife has, shall we say, put the, the, the uh, put it in the vault <laughs> She's counted the candy. I, In the freezer? You know, not, no, freezer. I could get. She hides it from me because I have no willpower. I've just, I've, I've gotten a little, a few. I got a box of chocolate covered cherries, and this is probably the first year we didn't get any Whitman's chocolate. So, yeah, not a whole lot. Sorry. A lot of pineapple casserole, a lot of mm. coconut pie, mm. a lot of the good stuff. Yeah, not, not quite that.
0: And our second co-host for tonight, we're returning back from a long semester hiatus, is David Arnold. And David, I know you have ate some good food over the holidays.
2: You've seen me progressively get slightly bigger and bigger over the past month and a half. Since October, you know, it, start, it starts with Halloween and he's stealing the kids' candy um although you know the best part i think the the thing that saved my diet maybe saved me from gaining too much weight this year is it, it was sleeting on halloween so uh we only went to like 10 houses didn't really get that great of candy uh it probably saved me an extra 5 10 pounds over the <laughs> holiday period hey you uh, know what uh,
0: i say that's why belts have different notches it's okay. that's right.
2: <laughs> well so- I, i'm i'm making use of that that's for sure
0: well, guys, we're this is a great time to be talking sports. There's a lot to talk about. We'll get right to it. But just for our listeners, we're going to talk NFL coaches and playoffs and things like that, and we are going to get time to talk the latest Star Wars movie. And But when we get to that point, we'll give you fair warning, because we've all seen the latest Star Wars and have been watching The Mandalorian as well, and we'll debate which one is better. But let's get to the NFL coaching carousel. I think there, this is called Black Monday for a reason, different... Coaches have been fired, and the first question for both you guys: It's who deserved to be fired the most. Ernest will start with you. Is it Ron Rivera who got fired from you beloved Panthers? Is it Pat Shermer for the Giants, or is it Freddie Kitchens from the Browns? Which one of those three deserved it the most?
1: Freddie Kitchens. He was immature. He was not prepared for the job. He had never been a head coach at any level. He had just been a. He hadn't even been a, a full offensive coordinator for an entire year. He was immature. That coming out with that Pittsburgh started it T-shirt. His he was just, this. Is, he coached a team which had the most penalties during the season. Uh, the biggest disappointment of the entire year was the Cleveland Browns. It was Freddie Kitchens. You mean Geico
0: yeah. doesn't make you a winner? I thought if you did commercials for Geico, it worked no. well. No, uh, hey. uh, you,
1: you know the big joke is that the quarterback for the Browns has more ads than he has wins this year? Oh, or more it's than touchdown passes.
2: Super Cleveland. Um, Cleveland buys into the hype of everything pretty easily, and I'm shocked when, they, when they're when they disappointed like that. Um I'll tell you one thing. Freddie Kitchens just did not have the respect of anyone. Uh, and that was pretty clear. And to throw personalities like OBJ into the situation, really... Did not help him at all. I mean, he he had no chance. I mean no chance, especially when you add the personalities like they had. Um and then also Pat Shermer, I just want to throw this out there, Freddie Kitchens is definitely the most deserving of being fired, but Pat Shermer has coached uh in four full NFL seasons. Uh and his track record is four and twelve for the Browns, five and eleven for the Browns, five and eleven for the Giants, and four and twelve for the Giants. bless you dude. And he's how did you yeah, sneeze you. and
0: talk at the same time? That uh, was amazing. i tell
1: you what, it didn't sound like a six-year-old was sneezing because that's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, <laughs> that, was good, that was good emphasis. And by the way, since we're talking Cleveland Browns and because I do think the world revolves around me, it is an excellent time to mention the end of a bet that we had back in August. Uh, final by nine catches, by more than two touchdowns, and by more yardage and by more average yardage per catch. The most catches for the Cleveland Browns this year won Jarvis Landry, which means we'll soon be seeing another co-host wearing a Carolina Panthers jersey.
0: Ernest, for a man who doesn't like to bet or play fantasy football, you sure have enjoyed winning this bet with Nate.
1: Just say this was this a was little hanging fruit. It really was. Oh, this was, easy. This all was right. so Nate, easy.
0: You're on the, all right, I agree with you guys. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, I think – he was such, did such a terrible, scary job. You might as well call him Freddy Krueger out of Cleveland. Um,
1: but now, of the three, who's going to get another job? We know this already. Yeah, Ron oh, Rivera's
0: and- probably going to the Redskins, which I'm going to b- get to that in a second. Guys, who deserved to be fired but wasn't? Matt Patricia or Dan Quinn? Matt Patricia get- for the Lions or Dan Quinn for the Lions? David, if you're still there, what'd you yeah, I'm pick? Here. Before
1: David goes, can we add two more names
0: to that? Sure. What what other names you want to add?
1: Uh, Doug Marone and Jason Garrett. Neither well, of them Marone,
0: ha- I know Garrett has not been fired as the time of this podcast quite yet, and Marone is rumored to be fired, but I don't think it's been quite yet. So I yeah, know these be- these are people who d- are not going to be fired. They both co- owners have announced that they will not be fired.
2: I think it's smarter to hang on to Dan Quinn because it seems like Dan Quinn has not completely lost the plot with this team. You know, there is something to be said, though, like with the, what you've seen with the Panthers. I think it was more or less time to change coaches than anything else. The The cycle for Ron Rivera had, had ended in Carolina and then go apart pretty amicably. Um he's still he's a great coach and the Panthers have a decent team and you know with a new coach they might be successful. It seems like maybe that should have been what happened with the Falcons and, and uh Bob Quinn, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn but, uh, had a
0: great comeback the last four games though, David. So
2: so that's what I'm saying. So I'm I'm saying he's he should be like there's a there's a reason why they should keep him. Jason Garrett, on the other hand, it's probably time for him to, to get out of here. Right? Like yeah, I mean How many years – Jerry Jones has worked on 25 years. Well, like, Ernest is
0: right. He's slow man walking. Ernest, have you seen more recent news than I have that he's already gone?
2: They're –
1: both situations, Marone and Garrett are meeting with their respective owners tomorrow. But, uh, I I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if Garrett is kept. I really won't because – I don't know. We've talked in previous podcasts. I don't know who wants to go coach for, for Jerry Jones. I mean, the most talent of all these teams we're talking about, Dallas has the most talent.
0: All right. So, but speaking of, coach, you got to work for Jerry.
1: I have a list now, of
0: good candidates for the Cowboy coach, but do you have an well, opinion on Quinn? I think
1: uh, Quinn needs to leave. This team has not been the same since their collapse in the second half against the Patriots. They've not had a winning record since then. I mean, it's almost psychologically with them. Uh, Patricia Patricia deserves a third year. Patricia, Patricia,
2: I agree. Patricia deserves a third year. I mean, he didn't even have Stafford healthy the entire year this year. And look, they
1: did a very good effort against. I mean, they could have easily mailed it in, like a lot of teams did against the Packers this weekend. But they gave him a great effort with a quarterback that, unless you were a Purdue fan, you never heard of before. You know, they had a, a undrafted. Quarterback out there, and except for Kurt Warner and John Unitas, those guys don't hang around that much. So uh, you know, Patricia does. I mean, Patricia's not the most likable guy in the world, but the, the results, I think he deserves. And David's right, Stafford's been gone a year. Yeah, they need need a little bit more than that.
0: Around here, the sports talk guys call the Quinn tricia uh, Quinn being the GM and Patricia being the coach. They just give him sort of a fake name like that so the next i'm going to just go along and say garrett's going to be gone i think he gave indication he's going to be gone because last night after the game two hours after the game he was out on the field with his family throwing the football around hugging his wife definitely a walk off type look so i have five names that could be the next cowboy coach although some of these people are going to interview for the other jobs you have greg roman Who's the Ravens' offense coordinator? You have Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach, who needs to go on Weight Watchers. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Matt <laughs> Rule, who's coaching the Baylor um, Salah, I think his name is 49ers. Defensive Robert,
1: co- Robert Salah. Yeah.
0: And Kirk Benemy, the offense coordinator for Kansas City. So Eric Benemy. Eric. Eric, Benamy. excuse me. David, do you think any of these sound right for a Cowboys?
2: Matt Rule should be every every football team in college or pro football's number one guy. I mean, for the next few years. What, what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, is pretty remarkable. And He's a heck of a recruiter, but he's an even better coach, which seems like uh, you, know, you don't really find those types of coaches very often. Uh, the NFL was sniffing around with him back when he was at Temple. Uh, so the fact that he did what he did at Baylor so quickly – to me, makes it seem like he's the most logical guy to be the next Cowboys head coach. Um, but if I was Cleveland, you know, if I was any other place, I'd be calling Ron Rivera first and then Matt Rule second. Um, selfishly, I wouldn't mind a couple of teams calling up Ryan Day at Ohio State and, then, <laughs> and then poking around there and linking Ryan maybe at some point. But Matt Rule is the clear cut. If I was needing to hire a head coach, it'd be Ron Rivera one and Matt Rule number two would be... The tier right now for me. Ernest, what do you think? Ron Rivera, I would have thought would have been perfect for the
1: Cowboys. And the fact that he really has no desires to interfere in the general manager. He just wants to to be a coach. And I can see him coach for somebody like Jerry Jones, but going to Washington, you've got a owner there that has a lot of hands-on, so he'll work on there. I think Rule probably more likely is going to go to the Giants because he was an assistant there. He is a fascinating young man because he did turn around two programs. People don't realize how desolated that Baylor program was after the previous coach pretty much did everything vile you could think of. He's a man of intense faith. He's a great he's a great leader of men, and any team that gets them would be I think would be doing very well. Aren't you guys uh,
0: a little nervous that he turned around so quick in Baylor? That makes me a little bit like, wait a second. Is that a little too good to be true?
2: There was there was no talent there. I mean, every there was a mass yeah. exodus. And it, it was, it's pretty I mean, it's beyond remarkable that they were able to do what they were able to do. And the fact that he did it at Temple as well. I mean, we're talking about two of the most desolate pro- I mean, obviously Baylors had recent success, but then they had recent, you know, uh, controversy that that completely demolished all of that previous success uh, and so to do it at temple and baylor really just makes your head spin and i think it's really big to point out the nfl was sniffing around matt rule when he was at temple so that tells you he's been on the radar for a while uh, and clearly the right minds have seen something in him for a while now and now he's just proven it on the field uh, in the same way that um you know, you, you heard about it with Tom Herman when he was Iowa State's offense coordinator. You, you heard that he was a great offense coordinator and he was a great football mind. And then Urban Meyer hired him even after a losing season at Iowa State. Um, he, has he it worked just out. Won a, Texas very well. Uh, they did win a Sugar Bowl, right? So, so I mean,
0: which coach has the most potential to be another Chip Kelly? I mean, we used to say, "Oh, Chip Kelly's coming to NFL. He's going to be great and everything." his, and his
2: former. Oh well, his former quarterback at New Hampshire, um, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, would be a perfect guy for that. I think that. <laughs> I think Cleveland Browns should call Ryan Day tomorrow, and make that happen. Well, also could. It, it's time for Urban Meyer to test the NFL waters, right? Like him, him in the Dallas Cowboys uh, polo. But he needs to spend more time with be, his
0: family, man.
2: That'll oh be- yeah, he's definitely doing it on the studio set of uh, everyone that offers him a gig right now. It, he and to be honest, he's been helping Ohio State game plan for the past year as a administrative assistant. So Ernest,
0: who's uh, gonna come to your beloved Panthers? You have been quiet about this.
2: Well,
1: rules one of the interviews. Uh I would like Robert Sala. That's that's my choice. I don't want McCarthy. I don't think he did that much for the Packers. Yes, he won a Super Bowl, but He's he again, he doesn't appeal, he's a retread next. I would love solid, that's my number one choice. Rule would be great again. Art Bryles had 17 players who had to leave the team because of criminal actions. Art Bryles, I mean, do you how hard that had to be recruit after that? And rule is a man of faith, he's a man of character. I have no doubts what he has done in Baylor is miraculous. Rule would be my number one choice but i will settle for sala we need someone who's emotionally intense someone now, who has a lot of, roman has kind of bounced around and i don't like i said robert sala you're getting you're getting the best of 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 the seattle head coach now ernest last week you said
0: train. lincoln riley's not going to leave because of the great college life and you make as much in college as in pro doesn't that same true for matt rule
1: Rules not in that area. Baptists can't pay as well as Oklahoma Regents. Uh, your upper up in here, tier coaches. You you know your uh, Lincoln Riley's, your Days, your uh, uh, you know, Dabos. I mean, they're they're making anywhere from a range to five to nine million. You Saban's making nine million, and you pretty much rule the area. You're your own general manager. You're your own coach. Rules not in that situation. And again, he's looking up at Lincoln Riley. No matter how well they do. All right. Well, so, let's, and he and he has pro experience. See, yeah. that's that's my rule again. He has been an NFL coach. This for is that true. Reason.
0: Well, there's two coaches that do not have NFL experience, though, playing in the national championship football game: LSU versus Clemson. And uh, Dabo continues to impress when he needs to impress. He pulled out a a great win against Ohio State. I think, regardless of. Officiating questions or whatever, but LSU is such a juggernaut Ernest. You've rode the Clemson bandwagon all year long. Are you going to get off the bandwagon now?
1: Still riding. still riding. I have no doubt Uh, I believe they're defensively much better. Oklahoma is missing three defensive starters So for that reason, I think their defense can stop them. They're going to double team Jefferson I think the running back is still having problems in that respect So I have, again, did you see Lawrence took that game after the hit, the helmet to helmet hit? He took that game on himself and he refused to lose. And by using his feet and you, six foot five, 230 pounds, he is enormous. He was, and the defense, I like the adaptations the defense made after that first half. Now, Ohio State, I kind of doubt why they let the foot off the gas. Because they scored two touchdowns by going at a hurry-up offense. And then they backed off for some reason. I don't understand. But, yeah, I'm still with Clemson. I yeah. think we're gonna, we're seeing a dynasty. I think we're going to see the third championship in four years. Well, one of the things you
0: noticed for a long time is how healthy they stayed. And I think that was sort of under the radar while other teams are banging up each other. And playing in the ACC has definitely played into Clemson's favor over the year. And LSU, though, I mean, when is Joe Burrow going to have a bad game? That's the question. I mean, can they do some picks? Is Clemson the right team to pick Uh, Burrow, do you think?
1: I think they're not as important as it is to get interceptions. It's to get in his face and pressure him. And even though his offensive line won the award for the best offensive line, I don't think they're as good as Ohio State's offensive line. I think if you get pressure, though, his timing off, they – do play combination zone, man-to-man defensive, back in the backfield, and I think they can get pressure, throw the timing off, and get them in third and long if you constantly get LSU in third and long.
2: So here's something to take into consideration. Justin Fields tripled his regular season interceptions total in the game against Clemson, Uh, which, I mean, I might as well throw this out there. I feel like Ohio State's schedule was practically as easy as Clemson's schedule, for being honest, this year, where where, they played Wisconsin twice, who was a really good team, and and Penn
0: State though,
2: and Penn State and Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I think Penn State and Michigan were both pretty proven frauds this entire year when it comes to being an elite top. How, how hard is that to say? Well, uh, I've I've lived with it for eighteen years, Ernest. It ain't nothing new. Um, but I mean. I so they're top 15 teams. I don't think they're top 10 teams and really just separating the elite from the non elite. It seemed like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, um, Clemson and Ohio state were the best five teams in football and no one else was even close. Like, I I mean, like the gap was there, maybe, maybe Oklahoma, but the gap was really there. And even among that teams, it's clear that Clemson and LSU have the most talent and have the best coaching to utilize that talent. Uh, We've, I mean, everyone's always talked about for 10 20 years now if lsu had an exciting offense you know the sky is the limit uh, for their potential but david ed oderon
0: versus Dabo, who's the better coach don't you think Dabo is gonna out coach you
2: Ogeron? know who's gonna have a better speech <laughs> who's gonna have a better pregame speech coach always gonna hype those boys up they're gonna be ready to play the, those guys are gonna be ready to play so I, I trust coach. Oh, you know, I want a coach. Oh, redemption arc here. He did great things. You know, he was the big recruiter. He got hired at Ole Miss. Uh, didn't work out for him. He learned. He went to USC. USC was interim head coach at USC, led them to success. They like, what is was it? Back to back nine win years, 10 win years under coach O. And then they said, no, you're, you're not quite right for us. He goes to LSU as their interim head coach gets a full-time job. And he's going to win this title. He's going to have a statue built for him outside of LSU Stadium. And, and he's going to be – he's going to play him in the
0: though. movie. Yes, going to play uh, Odron in the movie.
2: Shrek. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know who uh, – There Hello. used to be a, used so to be a guy Haynes on public television. Tom Hanks could go from
0: Mr. Rogers all the way to Odron?:
1: Well, you know, Lord bless his soul. He used to be a Cajun uh, cook on public television. His name escapes me. Yeah, he used I remember to be his Really good at that. And then, and then, uh, uh, yeah, you know, that. I don't know if anybody watched. I, 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 to me, I don't think it's so much the head coach. I think the real matchup is the offensive coordinators, uh, Steve Ensmeyer and Joe Brady for LSU, and Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson. I think that's your matchup. All right, that, prediction
0: of score, Ernest.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it'll be thirty-five, thirty-one, and I think Clemson will will be certified as the new dynasty in college football.
2: Ernest, you you stole my score from my mouth. I, I'm going to say uh, thirty-five, thirty-two, just so I can uh, prices right it there.
0: I think you um, guys have been too in love with Dabo and no, his great. Uh, LC, I think to no, th- win LC, by two know. touchdowns.
2: Uh, I'm thinking If, if LC, where's this
1: Paul? Is he is the is he the best coach in college football?
0: Yes. He's Coach younger. O? He's hungrier. He oh, recruits no. great. that whole thing. So, David, you're also
2: picking LSU. Yeah, I'm picking LSU to win. Yeah. Oh. But 35 to 32.
0: All right. Okay. So, guys, um, I'll let you play ho- host for a second here. Who wants to talk NBA and LeBron? Who wants to talk NFL top 100 players who were left off?
2: Let's left? do let's do NFL top 100 because. Because I've got one gripe and I've got one gloat. I got two gripes. So go ahead, uh, wow. David. I'll defer I'll to you first. All right, okay. David. So, so first off, uh, I mean, it's not really a personal gripe, but Drew Brees should definitely be on that list. Um, not having Drew Brees on the top 100 players of all time, it's it's hard because you have to you know put different positions and whatnot. But that is a guy whose longevity. It is so great and so unique. His greatness is in the longevity, but his greatness is also in the insane passing numbers and basically being a head coach on the football field. Right? He's the one person, him and Peyton Manning, I could both see stepping into uh, you know, an offense coordinator role, head coach role tomorrow, and be you know a great head coach, offense coordinator, Tom Brady to a certain extent too. But also, my one gloat, Aaron Rodgers doesn't belong on that list. I don't need to see any controversy about Aaron Rodgers on the list. He has won Super Bowl, and he's been a terrible teammate his entire career. I don't need to see Aaron Rodgers doing nothing on that list. Not even close. Mm, What a surprise.
0: You don't like Aaron Rodgers. Hmm.
1: But he's not on the list, so if you're you're adding one, if you're taking Drew Drew Brees on there. And to me, Drew Brees is the Henry Aaron of the NFL because he accumulated stats, but he never led – and he only got one championship. And I love Henry Aaron, but he's the Henry Aaron. He he got the overall numbers, but at no time was he number one in those statistics in the seasonal year. He, he never had an MVP year. He never truly did. But who are you taking off? If you're putting Drew Brees in there between Marino, Manning, Montana, Graham, Favre, Elway, Brady, and Brawl, who you take Sammy Ball, who you taking off?
0: It's so hard to know if we didn't see Sammy
2: Ball. You, no, 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 no. Let's talk, let's talk about this. Brett Favre. Brett Favre.
0: Yeah, he only won Brett, once.
2: Brett Favre, Brett Favre and Drew Brees had the same number of Super Bowls. Drew Brees has more passing touchdowns and and has been in the league for as long as Brett Favre, right? If not, and has been successful in the league longer than Brett Favre.
1: But uh, Brett Favre I was right flashier. Both have one Super Bowl win.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Brett Favre off. That's what I'm doing.
1: Okay. There's, my, there's my hot
2: take. There's my okay. hot take. And I th- I think I think they're at least they're at least comparable. But I understand your point. You only have so many players. You have only have so many quarterbacks. I get it. That that's just the one person I'm not really that mad about, but I think he he does deserve in that pantheon there. In this completely arbitrary discussion. All right. My choice. Yes. This, this list is a joke. All right. Dan
1: Marino should not be there. Please tell me what Dan Marino did. He was, a, he was a statistics accumulator. He, he got to one Super Bowl and got blown out. Dan Marino being in here, maybe because of his isotoner gloves, I don't know, or because he was Ace Ventura. I don't know. Dan Marino is a joke. This list is irrelevant. This list is valid unless the name Johnny Unitas is on. I mean, at the very least, Dan Marino presents some pretty stiff competition. Johnny Unitas, three national football championships. Johnny Unitas, who was what quarterbacking is all around, who had the record for 47 consecutive games with a touchdown pass in a much more difficult period of time before Drew Brees took that record, which more liberal passing rules at this time. Johnny Unitas, whose win against the Giants in 1958, established the NFL for what it is now, the first broadcast championship game in overtime. Johnny Unitas is what quarterbacks are supposed to be. And
0: you're a Baltimore Colts fan, but I get I, your point, though, too. I agree. No. I We even have a football that he no, helped no. design.
1: That's it. Johnny Unitas is the quarterback position. He established that most of your quarterbacks came from the same area, western Pennsylvania. Marino being on here is a joke. Uh, Otto Graham, Sammy Ball played at a different time. Sammy Ball was probably the greatest punter of all time. Sammy Ball was probably... The greatest two-way player, and the, they led the league in punting. Still has the all-time record for punting average. Led the league in interceptions one year, and quarterbacked uh, Brady Elway. Two good years at the end. So I Farve, far uh, uh, and you know this. This is this is a millennial list. It, it truly is. is.
0: All right. So my hot take is Dan Marino is not even the best quarterback. Not to win the Super Bowl. I would say Jim Kelly was a better quarterback than Dan Marino. Just st- stable, consistent, made better throws. Um so and I agree, I think Breeze definitely should be on there. Uh and I think Troy Aikman should be on there before Dan Marino. Steve Young should be on there before Dan Marino. So I think that's quite a joke. So guys, we're going to spend our last 10 minutes or so to the movie that's made the most money, a movie that we have grown to love the whole series. And that's the whole Star Wars series. And we've all seen this Rise of Skywalker now. So, listener, if you haven't seen it or have, don't want to hear anything about it, I don't know how you've avoided it so far, anyways. But we're going to talk about the movie in three, two, one. Ernest Watts, you're the oldest, wisest, <laughs> most Yoda of the three of us. Um, your, your impression of Rise of Skywalker?
1: Okay, real short story to start with. My grandchildren told me I had to say this. Back in 1976, I was getting off work. I was working as a stockroom manager at Woods Dime Store, and I decided to go see a movie. The first showing was at noon, and it was a little movie called Star Wars. Nobody knew anything about it. I bought in the lobby one of those old T-shirts with the iron press-on decals, with the original, where Luke's holding the sky, uh, the lightsaber over his head, with Leia down below his legs in a romantic gesture, which sounds really weird when you found out that his his sister, boy, was there. Some real problems there. Uh, the big, the last movie, the last Jedi. A lot of old style fans remember this has been going on for forty two years. This series, their big arguments were that it was not. It was not loyal to the mythology mm-hmm. that had run through the previous nine movies. And I think I love J.J. Abrams' with death. I think he bent over backwards. And if you're familiar with the concept of fan fiction, when fans write episodes, this felt like a fan fiction movie. It felt like he tried to please the fans rather than a coherent story. There was too much exposition. There was too much going here and there and explaining. Did you like well, it, though? Uh, probably my fifth or sixth best. All right, yeah. At least Jar Jar Binks wasn't in it. Okay, I'll <laughs> tell you that.
0: Did you have one favorite moment? I mean, even though you didn't feel the whole movie was his better, the best one yet, did you have one moment where you went, yes?
1: when Ben Solo's memory of his father, Han Solo, comes back and he gives him the emotional support to turn over to the good side and do the right thing. And, and I had no earthly idea that Harrison Ford was in this movie. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was very emotional. And let me say, a lot of people had some misconceptions because they knew the scene shot by Leia uh, of Leia uh, were done for the previous movie, but I thought they were effortlessly, effortlessly seamed into this movie. It was and done before, easier
0: than you just said it, is what you're saying. Yeah, easier
1: than I can say the word. I thought you could not tell that these were digitally inserted scenes. And it I don't think it took away from the story.
0: Mm. And now, Dave, uh, David, what about I, you? How would you I, summarize this movie?
2: I, I'm not... I I choose not to complain about the Star Wars movies. I'm not saying Ernest did, but I think it's a very popular hot take thing on the internet to complain about every Star Wars movie. Uh, They did have to force a lot of action and storytelling into the movie, right? It clearly could have been done in two movies and, and maybe some could argue that JJ was hoping uh, Ryan could have done more in episode eight uh, and storytelling to, to build up for uh, episode nine. However, The one thing I have to say is one of the big complaints over the past decade or so is that all these action movie franchises, the Harry Potters of the world, they've always split up the very final movie into two separate movies, right? And it's kind of like milking the cow for more money, milking the cow for more money. And because Star Wars has to fit into this whole trilogy thing, they kind of didn't have a choice to milk this last chapter for two movies. And of course, this was probably the movie that, that could have... Deserved two separate movies to fully tell the whole story that J.J. wanted to tell. So you're definitely bouncing around back and forth a lot, and you you definitely had to fill in a lot of the blanks for yourself uh, in in terms of the storytelling. But I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the last part of the movie, the very last you know couple of scenes with Palpatine and and Rey. You know, it was all decently predictable once you saw Palpatine and you knew the story. But I thought the introduction of Palpatine into the the last trio of movies was really awesome and really cool. And Palpatine is just such the definition of evil, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, he is the Senate, um, which you, know, you could compare to modern day uh, politics in a lot of ways. And it was very awesome. And, and you know, kind of turning the turn his little. Chamber into a little arena where all these—I don't know if they're ghosts of the Sith or whoever—were there and, and watching Palpatine suck all the life out of Rey and suck out the life, all the life out of um, Ben Solo was really awesome. And then the kiss—I wasn't expecting the kiss, but once they kissed, I thought, "Oh, okay, so we've got these two; they're going to create the most powerful baby in the universe, uh, in the galaxy." But then Ben Solo, you know, disappears, and anyway, I thought that was well done. I liked it. Um, then of course, pure, pure fan sugar, fan candy there in the very last scene, you know, back on Tatooine, uh, was well done. And I'm happy they did it. I- I'd rather them do that and-, and make you feel all the feels than, than not do it. You did know, you,
1: it it's Star Wars. Did you like the comments from all the past? You had Liam Neeson, you had all the, the past oh. versions speaking, even some through the, uh, the Clone Wars uh, uh, animated series mm-hmm. and some of the characters from that that spoke to her before she was able. And, and before I get to that, let me insert this real quick. Like, David, we talked about in the previous podcast. I think it's hard on a third episode of a trilogy, no matter what it was, whether it was Dark Knight Rises or Last Skywalker or whatever, to truly wrap it up. It's hard for a director and writer to go, well, I've got to put it in a nice little package and wrap it all up. I think the middle episodes are always easier to do. And be that Godfather 3, or be that Dark Knight Rises, or Last Skywalker, or uh, the last Jurassic Park. I mean, it just seems hard to tie it all together in a night bow and say, ta-da! Yeah, I I definitely thought
0: it had a lot of hard work to get that all tied together. And I like the idea that they played throughout the movie where it's not where you start, it's where you end up. Like, you can make a choice who you are and what you're going to stand for. And David and I went to see it together. And when uh, Ray touched uh, Kylo and, and healed him, and then all of a sudden his scars were gone, too, that was a pretty powerful moment that he had a new start right there for... And how many different people got new starts in that? We both laughed the loudest when the uh redhead British dude that was such a weasley dude, uh was the spy and then we sort of snicker when he got his due toward the end. Oh I-
2: no, I was I was sad. He's such the slapstick. I mean he's been the slapstick this entire last trilogy. I was really hoping he would make it. Uh, I did not see him being the quote unquote mole or the or the weasel uh the and then what he was, we definitely just laughed out loud. That no, no, was hilarious. That's yes. Domino,
1: Domino Gleeson, whose dad is one of my favorite actors, Brendan Gleeson of all time. He,
2: he really straight up stole more scenes <laughs> yeah. than he probably should have during the last three movies. I mean, just like, he had well, all the laugh out loud moments for me.
1: Well, since we're opening questions, what do you think Finn wanted to tell
2: Ray? That he never we, got a chance to tell her? Me and my dad have discussed this. Um... Pretty sure it's that he he is force sensitive, and that he wants to be a Jedi. That's what that's what. I so why, why did he that. want to tell Poe Damien that? Because we need suspense in the movie. Because <laughs> it's in the I, script. I don't, don't do with the old it's No, in the I
1: think script. they both uh, were,
0: were attracted to Ray and they both wanted to impress her some way somehow and but uh i read a a brief article that said in star wars love is dead because nothing nobody got hooked up toward the end except for anyways it was a a pretty good movie now we've all
1: been watching let me me ask one more question yeah Yeah. next month they will name the next standalone there'll be no more trilogies the star wars movies from here on out are standalone movies kind of like uh uh, the name, the movie I just forgot, the one where they went in and stole the plans, whatever it is. Rogue One. Uh, who do you want to see in the
2: standalone movie? I'll go David first, baby Yoda, baby Yoda, oh, man, uh, or, you, But in, in actuality, um, I well, uh, two different ways I think it'd be pretty interesting to see uh, like. A yo a an actual Yoda like Yoda the Jedi Master standalone movie because he's you know was it a thousand years old or, or he passes away when he's a thousand years old and he trained twenty thousand Jedi um, so so you can really go with a lot of different time periods with actual Yoda and, and kind of play around with with the lore a little bit and establish some Disney lore where before it's only been the Legends series. So in that sense, I, I think being able to, to mess around with the prequel, um, the pre-prequel, and, and build things up and build the lore up would, would fit really nicely with original Yoda, uh, yeah, adult Yoda. But they so get kind of clear that
0: Billy D. Williams is going to maybe have a miniseries, but is he too old to do that with that I one side think he's.
2: I think he's a little past his prime there for his own movie there, but that's...
1: So who who would yeah. you want to see, Paul? The standalone movie, who do you want to see? And, um, you
0: know, I know I, they just announced that The, the Mandalorian is going to have another season next year, which is great. And I really love how that whole series played out at the same time. I'm taking my time. I'm watching one episode a day instead of binge-watching it. Um, I think, I think, is it Poe, the oh, yeah. fighter? I po think he's, he's most likely to get it because he's the you know, action hero type star. Yeah, he is think?
2: good. I mean, he, he is po good. Poe and Finn
1: together? Poe and Finn?
0: I don't know. I told him kind of butch cast in the same I told David that kid. Finn, the guy who played Finn, I think this was his worst acting job of the three movies he did. I think he, it almost looked like he knew, almost like he looked at the camera almost. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I felt it, he was not compelling and that friendship seemed too forced to me.
1: John Boyega, who plays Finn, if you ever want to see a great performance fine. Uh, there's a nice little movie, it's about five years old, called Attack the Block. Now, he speaks in his natural Cockney accent, but it's a nice little science fiction movie. I highly advise that you watch it. It's basically about a gang in London that gets attacked by aliens and how they protect the projects. And so, uh, you know, he, he's had other movies that he's done and he's been very well at. But I I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Oscar Isaac is is a great actor and uh, started out with the Coen brothers. And so I would think of Poe Damien now, I guess he is the leader. of. It's not really the resistance anymore. They're in power. You, I don't know if you want flashbacks or you want something well, you know, the problem progressive.
2: Is- if you have a Poe Damien movie where he's the leader of the resistance and you don't include Ray, which I would ass- I assume they're not trying to have a movie with Ray in it anytime soon. You know, they're not trying to make that a thing. Would you rather go back when he was a spice dealer with Carrie Russell? Let him oh. take, her, take her helmet off. Yeah, I don't I just don't <laughs> think you want to I don't think you want to touch episode nine anytime soon. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think like it's a little too hot. I don't want to see Poe Dameron's backstory right now. I, if anything, I want to see his future. You know what what it holds as as leader of the Resistance. I don't want to see what he what he was before. I don't. I don't want to see his background necessarily.
1: You know, collectively we're forgetting one that set up for us. Remember the end of the Last Jedi, the kid that could move the
2: broom, the small oh kid yes. That had the yeah, Ernest, that was my favorite scene from The Last Jedi, because it's like the Resistance is still alive. Even if you feel it's dead, it's still alive. You could definitely chase his story. Well, You know what? I wouldn't mind a Palpatine background story.
1: But he's just a clone. I mean, that's just... Because you can see he did that with Snoke also. Spoiler alert. Sorry, too late. If you got this far, you know that anyway. Oh, <laughs> you, you knew the Resistance would win. You go to the movie, and I like I said, there's nothing... It, it You knew how this would turn out. I mean, it's just the crooks and crannies and all that. And they went to f- three more pl- planet. You know, last year I did two. I don't know why in the world the last year I they had to go to that casino, Vegas Planet, t- to get that key or whatever. But they've gone to way. They went to way too much. And again, I think uh, I, I'm a big J.J. J. Abrams fan. I really are. I just felt like he had to please all the fans and the filmmaking suffered to a large expect. Yeah,
0: I agree. And, it was a good movie. Know, and, and, it wasn't the best.
1: Yeah, and my great children say- coming out, that were saying, what are we going to do? We have no more Marvel. We have no more DC. The- we have no more Star Wars. No, the Star there Trek is, is supposed nothing. to come
0: in out with another
1: one. Not for Star Trek. Star Trek. Star is Trek isn't for the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's another two years for Star Trek. You've got Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. You've got Black Widow. No Star Wars movie this year. No Avengers movie this year. You got a cyborg movie. There is nothing to look forward to for summer excitement this year. This this is the oh, least just anticipated say- summer movie period that we've
2: ever looked at. Let me just say one thing. There there is a guy Star Wars theories on YouTube who. The month before the Last Jedi dropped, made a twenty-five minute video about how Rey is Palpatine's <laughs> granddaughter, and it's really big on YouTube right now. He he made a whole theory about it a month before the Last Jedi came out, and all of a sudden now it has like twenty-five million views. <laughs> I mean, well, he called he called a shot. Called the big shot. chair,
1: the big chair that he sets up for her at the end, is part of the set design from the original movie in nineteen seventy-six.
0: Wow, nice. Well, I know the Ewoks are attacking David now, so we got to wrap it up here. Um, May may the force be with you guys. (laughs) So we're signing off for David. Ernest, any last
1: words? Uh, We have come to the end of the decade, and the two uh, athletes of the decade were named by AP and, of course, Serena Williams, who's done amazing things. We've talked about her in previous podcasts. But because of societal changes and how he's changed, how sport has changed, and really everything he's involved in, you may not be a fan of him, but there's no doubt this past decade was the decade of LeBron James, who was the male athlete of the year, and the decade.
0: Yeah, what he did for Cleveland was amazing, since they can't win anything else right now. so. I had a great holiday season, Christmas, and looking for New Year's. And uh, my wife's birthday is January 3rd, so call out to my wife, Audrey, who, who patiently puts up with all the podcasts and everything else. So love you, dear. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast, Pardon the Confusion, and we'll talk to you
1: soon. Have a good night. Happy 39th birthday, Audrey.